He's looking Chris. at me while we're having this conversation <laughs> because this may or may not have been him this morning over coffee, just for the record. But we would I love was, for your help. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just about to make a qualifying statement and say Anthony Poponi, founder of Focus on the 40, is not a marriage and family therapist <laughs> counselor and cannot provide Chris or Christine consultation on their relationship or their relationship with their children. And now. I'm the captain now. Coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sit off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for listening, and I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 151 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do! Ah, fantastic. We are back into the K2 Studios. And we have our podcasting mascot here, Clover the Habibi Bear, with us. Hey, Clover, want to say hello? How you doing? Oh, look at you looking at me. How are you doing, girl? It was so funny because a minute ago uh, she was yawning and I thought that she, and she was like standing up and yawning right near my microphone. And I thought, oh, Clover's going to chime in today. <laughs> well, you got something to say, Clover? She missed us so much today because both of us were gone all day today. Well, I was gone all day today. You were just gone for a few hours, weren't you? Uh, a little longer than a few hours, actually. I was gone for like probably five hours, maybe. Oh, well, what happened to you today? Okay, well... Today as we record this, it is Monday. Now I take Mason to school. I took both kids to school, but today I just had Mason. So I took Mason to school, dropped him off, come home, shower, dress, all that great, fantastic stuff. So because you take him to clo- to school in your pajamas, no nothing, clothes. Nothing wrong with that. You know, when, <laughs> I, when he was younger, I actually had to take him into school, like walk him into like the class and all that. And now I don't have to. Now I just drop him off at the front door <laughs> in my truck. So I don't have to get out of the vehicle at all. In fact, they don't right. let anybody like walk him in anymore. Now it's like, because security and all that stuff and COVID reasons or whatever. So now mm-hmm. the kids have to be dropped off. A teacher or a staff member actually takes them and walks them into the class or lets them to the gate or whatever. Anyway, so I let them drop them off and I just wear my, my pajamas when I do that. Very easy to do. Very convenient. Since we live so close to the school, it's like super easy. Anyways, after I was done with that and got ready, I said, what am I going to do today? I know. I love going to Costco because Costco's got great like pre-made dinners. We talk about this all the time. And I'm like, great, I'll go over there, get a Costco dinner for tonight. I'll get a few things. Maybe I'll get a bite of pizza. I love pizza. Slice of pizza while I'm over there. So I get the pizza slice. I eat all that. Get everything at Costco. I get in my truck, get some gas. I head on home. And I'm like cruising on home, like rocking out some music. I'm jamming. I'm good. It's good good vibes today, right? I got the house myself. I got me a little clover all day today. Just hanging out. And I'm like, great. This is awesome. The second I turn the corner, to pull onto our street where we go up this little hill to where our house is at. My truck starts dinging all kinds of warning lights. No, and not all kinds. It was probably one. It was one. And it said. And this is what I deal with. The over-exaggeration. <laughs> it said you have a low tire pressure in one of your tires. Like all four tires. Well, the car's got four tires, obviously. But one of the four is a lot lower than the other three. The other three are the same like air temperature, uh, air pressure gauge. But the other, the fourth one was dropping quite a bit. I was like, that's weird. So I noticed that all of the uh, tire gauges for the tire pressure, because my truck's got a, a monitoring system on it. So it tells you what tire has what kind of air pressure in it live in real time, which is kind of a nice feature. Most new modern cars have that anyways. So I noticed that one of the four was a lot lower than the other three. 
And I was like, that's weird. So what'd I, you do to it? So I parked the truck. Now I had dinner tonight in the, in the truck and put in the refrigerator to cook later. Uh, it was chicken Alfredo, but that's beside the point. Anyways, so I parked the car, the truck in the driveway, and I'm looking on the tire that they say is wrong. I'm looking at it. I'm like, huh, doesn't seem too bad. It doesn't seem like it's low or anything. And then I look on the top of the tire and I happen to see a big, shiny, like silver object, like a, almost like a dime or something. Poke it. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> like that big? Like the top of a dime? Yeah. Well, it was the top of a bolt. Oh. An actual bolt was sticking into the tire tread. Now I've got big thick like off-road tires i figured they probably would wouldn't puncture through something like that thick, mm -hmm. you know whatever it just so happened it went through the tread Ooh. and it went into the middle of the tire it was sticking in there and the, i hear this hissing sound this sound e. coming right out of the uh, tire mm -hmm. i'm like oh that's not good because eventually it's gonna be flat you right. know just a matter of time before the thing runs out of air and it's totally flat i'm totally screwed you know and don't ask me how to change a tire. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sure I can figure it out. But Don't ask you how to do anything. Hammer a nail. You tape down, you know, extension cords. Don't so, ask us install Christmas lights. That's a whole nother story. So what I but did, go on. So I know that I've gotten tires at Discount Tire uh, before. And Discount Tire, I do know about Discount Tire. They do give you free, like, tire, fix your tire for free. Uh, if you have a nail in your tire, as long as it's not in the sidewall, but as long as it's like in the center tread, like the, the down part of your tire, mm -hmm. the tire touches the ground. If it's in there, they can pull it out, plug it, patch it, whatever, do that stuff. Mm -hmm. I said, great. I knew they'd be able to do it. So before the truck runs out of air in the tire, I race down the hill. Oh, wait, wait, pause, pause in the story. What's there to pause about? Because that wasn't, it didn't happen right then because in between you realizing that your tire was losing air pressure and actually driving it down to discount tire, I started to get my phone blown up with text messages that you're, you know, basically you're going to die because your uh, your tire is going to go completely flat or something. I don't know. You were texting hey, me all kinds of stuff. I'm no expert. I just know I hear it hissing and I know I see the bolt in there and I hear the air coming out of it. And I know that the tire gauge is already dropping. It's it actually by the time I got down to discount tire, I probably lost another pound of pressure in the tire. But I get down there and they are like there's a whole pound of pressure. I know craziness. So I get down there and I'm like, first off, I get in there and they're super busy and I couldn't find a place to park like anywhere. So I like, oh, it's because great. everybody's going for free stuff. I don't know what they're going. I mean, your tire, who knows what? So I pull into the line to get your tire like checked. They have a check line to go get free air pressure done on your tires. It's great service, by the way. If you have uh, tires that you think are low, you might need to add air pressure to your tires. They will do it for you for free. And they have the whole system. It's very easy, very convenient. You don't have to get your car. It's great. So I get in that line. And the guy's like, here to get fresh uh, get tire uh, checked, air pressure checked. And I'm like, no, actually, I need a new tire, tire fixed. But there's a place to park at. So they go, bring it over here. We'll take a look at it. And they took a look at it. And they said, we can get you fixed. But we're really busy today. I said, well, listen, dude, I need the thing fixed. Because if I bring it tomorrow, it's going to be flat. And then I'm really going to be screwed anyways. Right. So it has to be done today. Yeah. And, and so, so what did he say to that? He said, well, it's going to be like almost a three hour wait. What? I know. Three, three hours for what? To fix the tire on my truck. What? Was there like one person working there? I don't know, but they're really, really busy. So what I ended well, I up guess because it's right after a holiday, I would imagine that people as they're like on the road and stuff, maybe a lot of people got like tires damaged and things like that. That or they need to buy new tires. I, don't, I have no idea, you know, so. So I was there. I was like, great. So I hung out talking to you, giving a few text messages to figure out what am I going to do for three hours here sitting at the discount tire place. 
And then he said, doesn't your sister like live around the corner? Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, she's home right now. I'm like, oh, she is? Okay, let me give her a call and see if she's at home and we can go over and hang out. So I called my sister up and I said, hey, can I hang out with you for a few hours while I fix my truck? Because like, I mean, you said it'd be three hours to fix my truck. Okay, yeah, come on over. So I walked all the way over to her house. How far was it? Uh, It's probably only maybe a mile. It was not a mile. It was like two blocks. Yeah, it's like a mile. No, it's not. Well, for like forever, right? Oh, my word. Man, I was like, gosh, she lives further than I thought she did. Things things seem so close when you're in the car. Like everything (laughs) seems like real close together. But you actually got to walk it. You're like, gosh, it's like super far to walk like two blocks or whatever it is. I'm sure people in New York do it all the time or whatever. But anyways, I walked all the way over there, saw her, saw Braden, kind of hung out. We talked about all kinds of stuff. I was telling her about uh, camping and how we went to Zion. And I was showing her pictures about the uh, glamping because she says she'd rather go camping than, than do a hotel stay for traveling. I said, great. You guys do glamping. We did glamping. It was great. And I was telling her all about that. And she thought it was a joke. I said, no, really, they have a Wait, bed. She would rather go camping than stay at a hotel? Oh, yeah. Yeah. As you say, she'd rather just do that because, you know, hotels are expensive and traveling is expensive. She'd rather either go to camp. She thinks camping is fun and camping sounds fun. Okay. And I just said, well, actually, glamping is probably even better because you get a, a bed in a whole like wardrobe set in the, <laughs> in the tent. Yeah. So, so I said, you try that route, you know, and I showed her pictures and she thought it was a big joke. And, and uh, but I think we should do that again. Glamping it was so much fun. It was really fun, except you were miserable on the way over there. But then again, when are we traveling and you're not miserable? So yeah, I get the, the nervous jitters. When I, I travel. guess so. So long story short, did you get your truck fixed? I finally did. They finally fixed it three hours later and they didn't charge me a single thing. That's why I like going there. Except your time. Except which yeah, is most half, valuable of all. Yes. Half my day got taken away. So then five hours after, you know, going to Costco and everything, you finally made it home, at which point I had just finished my work day and I texted you and or actually I called you and I said, well, hey, since you're home now and we don't have to pick up the kiddo until, you know, 530, I'm going to come on home. I'm going to grab a little snack on my way and then we can podcast. And guess what I got for my snack today? What'd you get, babe? Well, I've really been wanting to try this because, you know, it's a holiday season, uh, December 1st is right around the corner. And I had heard that there was this new limited time thing at Wendy's. And I'm all about peppermint during the winter time. Ooh, yeah. And Wendy's has a peppermint frosty. No and way. I had it. It was so good today. Do they actually put like chunks of like no. peppermint um, candy cane in there? No, no, no. It's just like smooth. And that's why I liked it because then you don't have to like crunch down on anything. It was like a peppermint milkshake without the chunks. I love a good peppermint milkshake. Well, I love shout peppermint. out to Wendy's. Huh? Yeah, I love peppermint ice cream. So I've had so far this season, you know, even before Thanksgiving, we got some peppermint ice cream last week. We got Chick-fil-A peppermint milkshakes on uh, Saturday. And then we got, well, I got myself a peppermint frosty. I'm just going to turn it into a candy cane. You're getting all excited already for December, which is around the corner. Any minute now, which you hitting in December. Yeah. And that's when you get in December, that's when I turn the Christmas up a notch. I mean, you already, already got it Christmas out here at the yep. house. But I uh, want to tell everybody what you did over the weekend with the uh, uh, yeah. decorations. Well, first of all, we'll start with Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving was really great. And um, I mean, except for the fact that you weren't able to be here for Thanksgiving dinner and the kids weren't here. But your mom was really sweet. She had invited me several weeks ago, said that she was cooking for her and your dad and your sister and her family. 
and asked if I wanted to join them. And I was thinking, well, your parents' house is just a little bit smaller and it might be hard for your mom to fit everybody plus cook. And I said, well, why don't you just come and use our kitchen and we can have everybody sit over here like we don't mind hosting them. And she didn't want to put me out. And then she thought about it and she texted me back a few days later and she was like, "Okay, I would love to use your kitchen. But the rule is that I don't want you to do any cooking. I want you to just rest and relax. And I was like, well, chances of that are slim and none. Like the fact that she that I would just sit around and let somebody else cook for me on Thanksgiving. However, your mom was really, she really was adamant about wanting to do it all. And so uh, during the day, I I just helped her with like, I put the a couple of pies in the oven, but she really did everything. She did such a great job. I just set the table for her and showed her where stuff was. But after you went to work and, you know, I'd worked all week and then it was like, I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then it's like, okay, now here's the holiday. And you arrived to this holiday exhausted because you really didn't have downtime before the holiday. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, um, I'm so tired today. And I didn't say that, but I think she just noticed. And she was like, you look tired. You should just go take a nap. Why don't you go on upstairs and take a nap? And I was like, um, okay. And so I went upstairs and I turned on a Hallmark movie and she finished cooking and I was upstairs resting and then by the time I came down, it was time for Thanksgiving dinner and it was amazing. That's like kids with Christmas morning. I know, they, just, right? they sleep, wake up, and it's all ready for them. You know? I know. It was and the so parents great. are exhausted, like, oh, I'm tired. I know. Your mom worked so hard. She did such a great job. The food was so good. And I was just so appreciative of having her here. And it just really makes me so thankful yet again that. I have family down here now because it was really hard the first couple of years. I had to always travel up for the holidays. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, totally. And I was away from my home. And, you know, I still love being with my family on the holidays, but it just feels different to be able to celebrate the holidays in your own home. And I just love your family. That's like the best part of having a home. When you first buy your very first home, like your new homeowner, you want to have all the holidays there. I mean, I did. With my condo, I think when I first bought my condo, I had Thanksgiving at my little condo. My family came over. It was just my dad, mom, and my sister. We did the whole Thanksgiving there. And then I think the first time renting the house, we had Thanksgiving there. And definitely at the new house, at the other house, Mm -hmm. definitely did Thanksgiving there. And then here too, it's a thing. For me, it's always been a thing when I buy a new place or move in somewhere new. It's like, let's do Thanksgiving. I know, but it's different not having to cook. And I mean, as a guy, maybe you didn't have to ever do Thanksgiving cooking. Maybe you just opened your house and let the ladies do everything. Well, I open the house and the ladies come on in. You know, (laughs) That's how I roll. But it was really nice. And then uh, before Thanksgiving, though, we had uh, Ezekiel down here for the prior week, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And he came down and had we had all three kids here and they were wild and it was fun. Oh, my goodness. The energy these three kids they thrive off each other. You <laughs> yeah, know? I know. It's hilarious. But we have a family tradition of letting the boys decorate the Christmas tree. And so that was going to be the only time they were all three together before uh, Christmas time. And so I talked with you and I said, let me bring out the Christmas tree early and we'll let the kids. I I think I prefaced it and I was like, hey, I think that the kids are going to want to decorate the Christmas tree this week. And this was before Zeke got here. And then Zeke arrived and like that night, he's like, mom, can we decorate the Christmas tree this week? I was like, yep. See, Chris, I told you already that was going to happen. And so 
I pulled out all the ornaments, all the Christmas, the Christmas tree and all that kind of stuff. And they did that on Sunday and it was so fun. Oh, they love that. I, I actually got out of your guys' way because I knew that you guys, you and the kids, especially the kids would want to do the whole Christmas decorating. But thing. we wanted you here. You kept like being grumpy and and making yourself scarce. And we were just wanting you to be here with us. And the boys were even like, where did dad go? Zeke was like, where did Chris go? Because they really wanted you to be around with us, but you were grumpy. And so I just sat there. Wait, wait, I was grumpy? I'm never grumpy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not grumpy. Mm -hmm. Sure. We're going to just go with that. And so the boys decorated the tree and, oh, they had a good time. And then, yeah, we just spent quality time together and we did some fun stuff together as a family. Uh, but then fast forward, there was Thanksgiving. And then over this weekend, I finished decorating the inside of the house. And Mason, my little buddy for the weekend, helped me get all the Christmas lights up outside. And they look amazing. Little buddy elf chef's Mason. Kiss. Chef, chef's kiss. Huh? Chef's kiss. Mwah. Oh, they look so amazing. I thought a chef's kiss when you add salt to the dish. No, chef's kiss is like, mwah, like it's perfect. Oh, fan. Fantastic. Yeah. So we got all the Christmas lights outside. I am ready for the holidays. And I don't know. I just get like a special little extra bit of happiness during this time of year. Hey, how are those uh, Hallmark Christmas movies? You guys get into those? Are you getting into any of those? Uh, yes, of course. It was holiday. It was the holiday weekend. So we kick off countdown to Christmas. And so all of the new 2022 Hallmark movies are coming out. They got new ones? Uh, they do every year, dear. There's like five or six new ones at least. Any new characters or the same actors? There's a couple of new characters, but some of them are the same actors and actresses. But what I will say, the first two that I watched were way corny. Like there's Hallmark corny. And then these were just like unbelievable, not like unbelievable. Corny. You saw the writing on the wall, like how you kind of figured out how it's going to play out. Yeah, it was just. Like the acting was way, way dramatic. Like really? So I'd be a perfect star for those probably. Yeah. <laughs> so there was this one and it was, it was cute ish, but it was uh, the Royal Nanny. This is the new one that they've been. Oh, is that the spy one? Yeah. So this was the one that they've been like promoting on the Hallmark channel, like the Royal Nanny new 2022 movie, but it was so dramatic. It was like, okay, this is way overdone. Like when people are like, Oh my word, I can't believe that you were in on that. And it was like, ugh, okay. But then there was this other one, um, Jolly Good Christmas. And that one, I liked that one, but definitely the guy, the male lead, was kind of overplaying it just a little bit. And it was just like, you could tell it was a different production company than the typical one. I have not seen Candace Cameron Bure in any new Hallmark Channel movies. So I don't know if she left. But typically, she's in like six. So maybe they just haven't come out yet. You haven't heard the news? Well, I what was the news? About her le leaving the whole thing to do her own uh, production uh, for Smarter I didn't Company. know that she actually left Hallmark Channel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. She's anti-Hallmark She's anti -Hallmark Channel now. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm going to have to look that up. But Lacey Chabert, I love her. She used to be oh, in the show Party of Five. Oh, yeah. Yeah, way back in the day. But she has come out in a couple of movies already. I'm like almost all the way through another one that I'm going to finish tonight. Um, but this is my season of the year where I just like veg out because the fall wedding season is officially this Saturday marks the close of it. No way. Fantastic. Yeah. And then we're on a break until April. We're on a break. A, a, we wedding break. Break. Yeah. a wedding break. Yeah. A wedding break. 
<laughs> but, you know, this is a time of year where I just love to kind of enjoy the season. I find that I am my happiest during wintertime and Christmas, but I find that you are like Scrooge amplified. Uh, excuse me, you know, like I'm Scrooge year round. I don't, uh, this is very true. <laughs> I don't exclude it just a Christmas, <laughs> but I do try to, I do try to get moments of happiness. I think being here creating this podcast with you brings me so much joy. It is my happy place in life. Is it? Oh, Aww. definitely. For sure. 100%. You're so sweet. Well, so imagine if the world had no podcasting, what would you do? Uh, radio, probably. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of this kind of thing right now, but we'd be like over a radio yeah. set and be tuning tune us in, you know. Yeah. Well, talking about radio, talking about happiness, we have a great guest that's coming up this week who talks with us about happiness and success in life, and we're going to be back with him right after this. Are you in the middle of wedding planning and feeling overwhelmed? There's no need to fret, my friend. Christine Smith Designs is here to rescue you, offering wedding planning, coordination, and wedding floral design services. Let us help relieve your stress and make your wedding day dreams a reality. Visit us at christinesmithdesigns.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E smithdesigns.com and request a free consultation. You'll be so glad you did. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic VIP guest. He is an author, speaker, and I would like to refer to him as the happiness guru. Welcome to the show, Anthony Paponi. Oh, that audience is all fired up after the holidays. That's great. They definitely are not rolling around with turkey in their tummies still. <laughs> they hey, energetic. Anthony, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on YouTube. Well, where in the world are you joining us from today? Uh, lovely Bend, Oregon. Oh, that's you're just oh, so to the you're, north. So you're just like, yeah, you're on the same time zone at least. Check that out. Yeah. I mean, scheduling so much easier. Just around the bend yeah. from us. Do you have a laugh track in there that you can use for those dad jokes? I do. I didn't load it into the system, but I have, I have plenty of sound effects. Oh my goodness, because the kids yeah. like to play podcasting too, and I load this whole thing up with all kinds of sound effects for them, and they go they go nuts. It's like it's like when you go to the elevator and everybody like pushes all the buttons. I think yeah. uh, Buddy the Elf did it and that elf movie yeah, he pushed, he pushed yeah, he all did. the buttons. That's kind of like what the kids do with their sound effects on here. So. I love that movie, <laughs> by the way. Since oh, it's, it's a, a fantastic movie. Yeah, since it's day after Thanksgiving, I might just have to break into watching Elf tonight. I was putting out Christmas lights a little bit earlier. Can't believe that we're already through the Thanksgiving holiday. How was your holiday? Uh, it was really great. It was really great. I'm actually... um. Uh, my girlfriend was out of town. Uh, she's actually, we're meeting in San Diego uh, on Monday. And um, so I'm going to actually be in your neighborhood, I think. And I, I spent my friends giving with uh, some friends, some close friends, some people that I knew pretty well. And then uh, another person I didn't know very well. And it was like beautiful and intimate and fun and laughter. And, and it, was, it, was, it was fantastic. Thanks for that's, asking. That's amazing. So where are you going to go when you're here in San Diego? OTBD. Um, my girlfriend is the sort of planner. Her name is Kara that... Uh, if I say, hey, let's go to San Diego for the winter and try to like knock off some of the shoulder season. And then four days later, she has all the camping sites booked and five different itineraries. So she'll be telling me what we're doing while we're down there. <laughs> Are you guys big campers, like outdoor people? Yeah, yeah, very big. She's uh, She has a travel trailer. I have an RV and we spend a lot of time outside. Are you driving down? Well, I, it's a long story, but she's driving in from a cool tour of the national parks uh, down in the Southwest. And then she, uh, I'm flying actually to Phoenix meeting her she's picking me up in phoenix at the airport and then we're driving to san diego and then i'll be down there for a while and then bouncing out briefly for some work and then coming back so trying to spend you know a few weeks down there over the course of uh, december well you picked the perfect time of year to come because right now it's like 
sunny and 70 degrees and uh, I was outside putting up the Christmas lights in shorts and a tank top <laughs> and sweating my head off because it was nice and gorgeous. But uh, camping this time of year is always really gorgeous, which is really interesting because most people would think that like November, December to go camping. October, is- I think is the camping time. Yeah, but it's pretty hot still in October. Well, yeah, but at least but at least you don't have like, I, knew, I know the nights aren't as as cold when you mm-hmm. get middle of October. I know it's still... I think of October, I mean, people think of it as fall, but I think mm-hmm. here, October can still be considered summer. Right. Mm-hmm. Somewhat. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I was just down in Florida and Arizona in the last month, and it was just like sweltering in Florida, as always. Um, and then even Arizona, I was like, oh, I i didn't wasn't ready for 93 degrees in October. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. yeah. So well, I don't think we're getting that in San Diego, and that's absolutely fine by me. Yeah, definitely not. But you have picked a great time. So... You're yep. going to be here for a couple of weeks, and she's yep. the planner, but do you mm. have any things that you're looking forward to checking out, or are you just pretty much a go-with-the-flow kind of guy? Oh, no. I mean, I love being outside, so I'll be bringing down a mountain bike. Um, well, I'll be get, I'm coming back down with a vehicle, so I'll be bringing a mountain bike. I do like to play disc golf. I like to surf, so I'll be outside kicking around. And then, you know, I've only been to San Diego one other time, and um, so I'm going to eat as many fish tacos as I can shove in oh, my face. Oh, there you uh, go. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> You know, and um, and then I like to be in places for longer periods of time just to try to get more of a feel for, like, the rhythm of those places and, like, you know, what these little districts look like. And I only really know Mission Beach. So it'd be fun That's to just good. kind of That's just good. play. Yeah, yeah. yeah we like going to, go to yeah. Mission Beach, too, because they have the Belmont Park um, theme park there. And they got the roller coaster and they got the restaurants and the shops and the beaches there, of course. And the mm-hmm. kids the kids love it, that kind of stuff. Right. You know? But, the, but you know, there's so many other places, too. Sorry, go ahead. I, th- I meant to say Pacific Beach. That's where we stayed. So Little Surf Town there. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, just yeah. north of Mission Beach, up, right. the, up the boardwalk and stuff. Is it up so. there? It's okay. Yeah, Yeah, cool. but PB is pretty fun. You'll you'll get the hang of all of the different places, especially if you're staying for a few weeks and uh, camping around. And there's some great trails. So uh, you'll really enjoy the mountain biking because, I mean, a lot of people think of San Diego as just like a beach city. Mm-hmm. But we have, I was driving uh, from where we live in East County up to North County this morning, but I was driving through what's called Claremont Mesa area and looking at all of the different hills around. And I was thinking, man, like where else in the world can you get these beautiful mm-hmm. beach towns? And then in the middle foothills, we live right at the foothills, but we're just 20 minutes from downtown. And there's hiking trails right across the the old highway from where we live. And you're going to have such a blast. And so, Chris, what are your best places to recommend for fish tacos? Well, everybody's go-to. The quick and easy place to go to is probably Rubio's. They are home of the world-famous fish taco. Of course, it says it on the door as you walk in. And, but that's uh, more fast food. It is fast. It is fast food. That is like a chain. It is and a great chain. To, you have to be cautious about any place that tells you they're the world best. I mean, go back to the movie <laughs> Elf where you walked into the place that had the world's best coffee and he and he took back, um, I don't remember, Zoe Deschanel, is that her name? I don't know how you say it, but yeah, she yeah, brought yeah, her yeah. back. Yeah. And he was just looking at her expectantly while she's sipping on this coffee from a greasy spoon diner. <laughs> so maybe I'm not going to Rubio's. I don't know. I'm going to look well, at Rubio's. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, I've always loved Rubio's. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. uh, I loved them more when the fish tacos were only a dollar, but now they're like three bucks a taco or whatever. <laughs> I used to crush Inflation. Those. I, well, you definitely, I think, too. And, I mean, for the most part, I think they're all pretty good. Um but I think the thing about Rubio's, not the now that they're a sponsor or anything like that, is that <laughs> is that they really like like they really take pride. Like if you're gonna go to Rubio's and get one thing, it'd probably be the fish taco. Yeah, it's okay. it's probably like their staple. You know, like everybody has like their staple thing mm-hmm. they sell. Like that would probably be it for mm-hmm. them. 
But I think if you were going to get something like a California burrito, which is really good, then you could go to a place like Lucha Libre, which Chris loves. Oh, the surf of California you got to oh, get. Oh, surf in California. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. It's basically like uh, carne asada, shrimp, fries, and they have some kind of special sauce they make. And it's not cheap, by the way, because like, it's considered like gourmet Mexican. It's like Mexican and it's like gourmet Mexican. Uh, <laughs> it's like next level Mexican. Yeah. So they charge a premium. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, this premium for a street taco, and you're like, wait, how did I just spend twenty five dollars on three tacos? Like, what happened? To, you know, yeah, you know? oh, definitely yeah. for so sure. So the place that you're going to end up spending that kind of money is called Puesto, and that's like, oh yeah, they have really good uh, tacos, but they are gourmet tacos. So you're going to play uh-huh. pay a pretty penny, but they're delicious. Like twelve dollars per taco. <laughs> are you kidding me? No, oh no, I'm not kidding you. I think one was there one that was like twenty dollars a taco. No, no, they're like ten to well, like eight to ten. But yeah, they're really good. Per but taco. Per taco. So yeah. savor them. They definitely are. Yeah. Go on a yeah. Tuesday because they definitely cut the prices down for Taco Tuesday. So I'm oh, excited. Really cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. getting hungry now. Yeah. <laughs> Super excited Do you want to take to a hear... short commercial break and eat some lunch? Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what adventures. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll end up meeting up somewhere and Chris will take you for some fish tacos. <laughs> uh, I'll let you guys buy at the really fancy place. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> well, so... Hearing about your travels, does your work take you to a lot of different places? Oh, yeah, all over the place, all over the U.S., um, traveling all over the country. I, I do a lot of speaking at conferences of all sorts. And, um, you know, the the thing that I think is really, really great about the work is the work itself. And then, of course, when I have the freedom and the time to control my schedule, then I can make nice trips out of it and do fun things. And I did that when I was in Arizona. I did that when I was in Florida. I've done that when I've been in Colorado. Um, just recent visits. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it can be a lot of travel. I think I ease the pain of the travel when I can do uh, bucket filling things for me. That sounds great. And so when you are going out, you, you mentioned speaking, what is yep. it that you actually do for a living? Well, I make people laugh using a series of dad's jokes and self-deprecating humor. Okay, and- yeah, yeah, give us your best dad joke right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think my best dad joke is just saying, like, I don't know how this happened, but I don't have kids, but I still somehow have a dad bod. And that's one that's a crowd favorite. Um, but, I, you know, I speak at conferences on human happiness, and that's a, that's a big part of the work. And then, you know, that transitions into speaking to people about the elements of happiness that I would call non-pleasurable. You know, we think about happiness as like hedonism, all the fun stuff, cheeseburgers and cocktails and vacations. And what we know from the study of human happiness is that there's real, there's deeper stuff. There's eudaimonia, purpose-driven sort of happiness that's hard. And for people to craft this really fulfilling life, they have to le- they have to create, like they have to actively craft. That's a verb, right? Um, they have to craft their own life and they can't ignore the hard stuff. Like mm-hmm. doing the hard stuff is is important. And so have you always been a happy person or was there some pivotal point in your life that helped you to really embrace happiness and joy? Oh, I've always been a happy person. Um, I, you know, I think some people, we, we research says that we have sort of a set range of, of where our happiness is. Um, I, and all of the different metrics I come out as extroverted and extroverted people are generally happier than uh, people that are more introverted. Um, I'm optimistic. I have a lot of gratitude. Uh, I'm kind to other people. Uh, I have a good connection with spirituality, even though it's not really religious, about this like sense of pur- purpose and belonging, a sense of service. And so I think those things have just like, I don't know that it was by default. I think I've crafted um, being a happier person through those things. And then where I've recognized where I'm struggling, then I, then I work on it. You know, that's that's the significance of of the work I do is that, you know, we have available to us the the opportunity to take action about crafting these happy lives. 
That's really interesting that you say that because as you were talking, I was wondering about, you know, I work in an industry where there's people with all different types of personalities. And Mm. I find that there are some people that are just generally unhappy in their Mm. life. Like nothing that you say is Mm. going to, you could give them the lottery, like they could win the $2 billion Powerball and they're going to find negativity in it. What do you think is the root of that? And how would you go about supporting somebody and getting out of that funk? Well, you said a few things there, so we'll pick them apart one by one. Uh, first of all, you know, some people have a lower happiness set range or set point, you know, and um, and part of that is uh, the name of my company is called Focus on the 40. And the quick version of this is, um, is that 50% of kind of how happy we are is genetic. So if you have really miserable parents or if you have really depressed parents or parents with high anxiety, like you, you carry that with you, you know, you have the potential to through genetics. Only about ten percent of life circumstance, um, you know, how old you are, where you live, what your what your um, religion is, what your marital status is, uh, what your sex is, what your orientation is, what country you live in, education, wealth, all of those combined. And I'm going through this fast. And I'm going to pause just to say all of those things combined, all of those life circumstances, only account for about ten percent of the variability for how happy people are. Really. Yeah. And then the other 40%, again, my business focus on the 40 is to focus on the 40% of what they call volitional action. You know, the actions you can take um, to to create more sustainable and durable happiness in your life. So that's part of it. And and just, I'm going to just keep going just to cover this lottery piece that you brought up is yeah. that they've done really cool studies on people that have won the lottery. And it is a life circumstance, right? You have just changed your financial circumstance and within two years or even less, in a lot of cases, they come back to the same exact happiness set point they were before they hit the lottery. Really? That's really interesting. So with, when you say that, this 50, 10, 40 dimension, mm-hmm. yeah. it sounds like people that are born into circumstances or have the genetics that predispose them for more negativity just have the mm-hmm. odds stacked against them. Is there any hope for them to be able to change that or do they live a life of misery? Oh, no, they don't have to live a life of misery at all. Um, <clears throat> no, it's um, it, it, it's just a starting point, you know? And so, you know, for most people, if you look at the happiest countries in the world on a scale of zero to 10, you know, the happiest countries, um, typically Nordic countries will scale, uh, they'll wind up at like a score of 7.4 or 7.6, right? So think about that, right? And think about mm-hmm. where your own life would be. So we're not talking about trying to get to 10, but if you start off as a negative two and psychology, like regular psychology can get you to a zero and then can get you to a two, then you can keep shifting those numbers up, 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 you know, and most of us, you know, in the United States, 20% or so of people suffer from depressive symptoms or Mm -hmm. high anxiety symptoms. That means that 80% of us, you know, are probably starting life out at a five or a six, you know, and that goes up and down over time based on good and bad events and that we can just continually chunk and increment in increments move up how happy we are that's really interesting so is this yep. something it's is it like a a quiz like you'd find in like 17 magazine to be able to find out what your happiness <laughs> oh like is? your happiness score like like if you are if you rank uh, between a, a, i don't know a, a nine and a ten you're like above the world you know you're you're extremely yeah. happy one or two yeah. you're or like, your emoji is sunshine emoticon <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> yeah i mean if you're a nine or a ten i mean to be very candid if you're a nine or a ten um it's it's probably not true, you know, that oh, most yeah. people, you know, really fit into that seven, eight. And we're supposed to feel moments of 10, like joy and elation are real things, but they are emotions and emotions are, you know, kind of driven by neurochemistry. 
and those neurochemicals go away. They're, you know, our feelings are a response to a perception of something in our lives that we're doing being good for our survival or bad for our survival. Mm -hmm. And when we're doing something perceived as bad for our survival, our brain makes us feel bad. Our brain wants us to change that situation. When we're doing something good for our survival, our brain wants to make us feel good to reinforce those behaviors. Um, so, Well, Anthony, what do you think about like people who, uh, I hate to bring this up, but like do drugs or narcotics to kind of put themselves back up at that 10 feeling? You know what I'm saying? Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that it, it's one of the things I say on stage all the time of like, you're not really meant to feel plus 10 all the time, right? That's Buddy the Elf, and either you can drink syrup all the time and you're going to get diabetes, <laughs> yeah. um, or, or you can aid getting to, to positive 10 by the use of illicit drugs, which is not my suggestion as a right. as a happiness expert. Right. Um, but I think that's what we're chasing. And, and even think about it, because it feels good, right? And so the idea is to recognize that those positive 10 moments are going to go away and then recognizing the patterns of the positives and even the negatives and then shaping your life and say, oh, I want more positive 10 moments. So what do I, when do I feel those and how do I like structure my life around them? That makes a lot of sense. And so when you find individuals that are, because you mentioned like going out and speaking, it sounds like it's more like occupational where you're working with companies and things like that. When you find an environment where there's a number of employees that are just dissatisfied with their life and their job and they don't find fulfillment in it, uh, how do you help them without getting them all to quit? Because it would sound like that would get you, <laughs> like people wouldn't be calling you back to be their speaker. I don't know. If I go into a workplace and, and the workplace is um, unhappy overall and there's five people that are the cause of that out of 100, maybe getting rid of those five people is addition by subtraction. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that that you know, I, I call it, um, there, there's a lot of employees out there that are these incredible assets and they're in incredible pain at the same time, right? They have like low social IQ and they're not mm -hmm. worried about friction. I call them a pain in the asset, you know, like <laughs> there you go. it's this combination of like, oh, there's so much good in this person. If we can tweak them around to be like more socially aware, it would, it would change their, their impact on the rest of the workplace. Mm. So I think it's a, a real thing of having those negative situations. And, you know, you asked a tough question, like, what would you go do without getting everybody to quit? Well, it's, it's, it's highly um, individualistic. You know, you have to go in and really get a feel for what's going on in the workplace to really um, help them sort that out. Well, what if the company, not saying anybody, not throwing anybody to the bus, but to say mm -hmm. what if the company itself has, is it five employees? Let's say sure. 95 of the 100 employees are miserable. Mm -hmm. What do you do in that situation? Well, there's something systemic going on there uh, and in that point, you know, and um, the Surgeon General from the United States just released this really cool, um, it's a framework for well-being, right? And, you know, if you have 95 people out of 100 that are miserable, there's something really terrible going on there, right? People don't feel psychologically safe. They don't feel physically safe. They're not treated with dignity and respect, you know, that that that's a huge problem. You know, that's a, a full-on dumpster fire of a workplace. And, um, you know, it's really a shame in, in a lot of the work that I do is that the, the places that are truly like the awful workplace cultures, like you've kind of laid out, aren't the ones that ask for my help. Yeah. Right? The, the ones that ask for my help are the ones that are like, I have a really good team and I want to keep my team. And I know that there's more available from this team and I want to get the most out of them without like squeezing it out of them literally, but like getting them to lean in and engage more and be more, more productive and have really good, like positive conflicts, you know, like how are those the same kind of companies that actually ask their employees for honest reviews and thoughts and, and tips versus the ones yeah. that probably don't, they don't care. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
if you don't want bad news, you're not going to ask for it. You know, right. if you know, you know your teams aren't doing well, then you're not going to do that. But if you're a leader that really cares about um, the, the the whole person in front of you, you're, you're going to lean into like trying to understand that and and honor as a leader that you're fallible, you know, and that right. that this is a process. It's not like um, culture is not a static thing either. So as you've been chatting about the different uh, workplace environments, it really made me think about. I don't know why it was that it triggered this when you were talking about the ones that are probably the most toxic or not asking for your help. It really seems like occupationally it's similar to relationships when there's that mm-hmm. abusive relationship, the one that's inflicting the most harm typically isn't the one that's going to be reaching out for help mm-hmm. and or acknowledging that there is a problem. And yet those are the ones that need the most help and are probably hemorrhaging the most employees. And so how do you go about selecting which companies you choose to work with when they reach out to court you for your services? Yeah, I try to have really candid conversations with them. And, you know, a lot of cases what people come forward asking for is not necessarily what they really need. Mm-hmm. And that sounds a little bit um, pompous for me to assume that. Um, and that's okay. You know, and, and a lot of the times when I work with clients, the way that I really like to work with them is, is, you know, over the course of a whole year. So if, say it's a workplace of 50 people, um, I like to meet with the ele- executive team like and have like a full day retreat where we can start off with fun stuff and we can go deep, 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 right? And you build trust with them, build rapport with mm-hmm. them. And then you come back and you do like a touch-up session in a couple of months and then you do individual coaching in between. And, um, you know, so I think what you're giving yourself t- space to do in there is saying, hey, we're going to like expose you to a bunch of things and how things can be versus how things are. Because just like with a lot of things, like we can inherit how we think we're supposed to be- behave as human beings from our family and our community and just like our workplace, right? So we've seen right. leadership that is the Darth Vader of leadership. <laughs> and if that's all you ever know is leadership, then when you get elevated to a leadership position, then that's how you're going to lead. Right. Unless you spend time to improve. Same thing with relationships, you know, if you come from a household where your parents are screaming at each other all day long, like uh, George Costanza's parents from Seinfeld, you know, you could model that thinking that, well, this is how loving relationships work, you know, and that's insane um, right. to us from the outside. Um, but a lot of people just don't know. And so I think you have to they put a fall, lot of time. They just in. fall into what they know, really. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the, you know, a lot of that is just like, all right, what are my tendencies? Are these good tendencies or bad tendencies? You know, and there's a mix of both for sure. So when you're engaged with a company, do you just go in and provide some type of keynote speech and leave? Or do you have long-term consultation services that you offer? It's The preference is long-term. Um, and I'm laughing because could you imagine me walking in and being like, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about happiness in 45 minutes and then I'm disappearing completely and right. you take it on from here. Well, it's because, um, you know, sometimes these companies do search for the magic bullet. It's like, yeah, we're going to bring right. in this guy and we're going to pay him this money to come and speak to you. And it's going to, we're going to wave a wand and it's going to make you happy. <laughs> almost as if you're the Tinkerbell of like occupational keynote speaking. <laughs> If that's the engagement they want me for, I'm going to bring in magic pills and be like, here, take one of these at the end of my presentation and it's going to fix all your cultural problems. How much are those, by the way? (laughs) I I don't think I legally can sell those. Um, Yeah. And that's the, you know, that's the hard part, right? Is that like, you know, the, these, the the cultural pieces, like if think about the culture of of a group, right? It requires really good trust within people. It requires leaning into the, having difficult conversations. It means developing yourself as a leader. 
It means developing your own mastery and growth. And a lot of those things just don't feel good. So we can back away from them. And we have to lean into those because I think there's real um, beauty in developing yourself as a human being and then becoming a leader that can create leaders out of other people. You know, that's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. And it honors that when you're doing these things, you're going to try and you're going to make mistakes. And if you can have like a really good trusting culture, you can make those mistakes and then continue to build. But if you don't have the trusting culture, then some of this stuff will fall flat, correct? No. Oh, yeah. Punitive environment, you know, where people are looking for weaknesses in other people, which, by the way, very natural thing for human beings. You know, we're worried about our status. We're worried about elevating ourselves because that's a way for us to, our ancestors to have survived. And so if by worrying about elevating our own status, um, we can harm other people. That's horrible, harming other people to elevate your own status. I I mean, other people do it all the time, but I mean, I, I mean, people... People will backstab each other just to get that promotion or to get to whatever. Yep. Throw people under the bus. Like I didn't yep. do it; it was him or something mm-hmm. or blame. If there's like a team project, and then the person will just blame Susie <laughs> or whoever. <laughs> well, she didn't do her part, you know. So that's why the whole thing failed. Yeah, you it, know. And that's not. And we're we're wired for negativity, right? And so that you know we have to be very cautious about the fact that we can. You know, we can find people to commiserate with. And that's, there's bonding and commiseration. I think it's the wrong type of bonding. Um, And we have to kind of like slowly kind of open ourselves uh, to experiencing more positive things because it can feel weird, you know, feeling good things, especially when you feel good things and sometimes they get taken away from you. And it's just part of life. Do you think when you lose good things, you feel like it, it have a little bit of a depression feel to it to where you're like, why would I bother doing that again? Because, you know, I lost it. Yeah. So I'm going to protect myself from ever feeling those negative feelings again by never opening myself back up to love. You know? Oh, yeah. You could do that as you, you two are, were divorced, I think you were saying, and then mm-hmm. I'm divorced as well. You know, and so, like, am I ever going to make that level of commitment again at knowing how heart wrenching it can be, even if it was the right thing to do? You know? Right. That makes a lot of sense. I just was kind of simmering on what you were saying and thinking about how for so many people walking out of the COVID era, how Mm -hmm. there's so many, so many wounds that our workers are walking around with and they're coming Mm -hmm. back to the workplace or whether they're staying virtual, they're still coming back to engage in the workplace with all of these hurts and hangups. And so I could imagine that you might be pretty busy during this time as companies are trying to figure out how they breakthrough with their workers to help them, um, you know, feel happier and more productive. Yeah. But I mean, maybe one of the really lovely things that came out of COVID was a kind of a, an opportunity to pause and just to say, well, you know, like, oh, like my whole world is interrupted. And when this thing ends, how do I want to recreate this life going forward? And I have a really good relationship with my work. My work is very purpose-filled. Um, and helping other people and service focus, that's all great. And I still need time for me. You know, right. I still need time to do the things that I want to do and overeat fish tacos. <laughs> Nothing yeah. wrong with so, that. No, thank you for <laughs> for validating that terrible choice for me. <laughs> Six isn't too many, is it? <laughs> I've done that. I mean, Six is just an appetizer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm supporting the local economy. That's what I I'm think doing. so, <laughs> but, you know, as you should. So are you finding that you are being asked to come in and help different companies navigate through that post-COVID, I don't even know if I want to call it sadness, but just that heaviness and that hurt that so many people are coming back to work with? You know, I don't know if it's, I mean, that's always there. Um, And 
I don't know that it's that as much as like, you know, if we're coming back to work, like how do we, we should find, we should find joy in our work. Right. And it's not all the time. Um, I'm not saying that like, it's just, you know, working and just, you know, buddy, the elf at Santa's shop. We'll keep right. that for the holidays. Right. It, it's not meant to be that way, but, but work should provide us this. It's an incredible opportunity for us to have so many of the facets of human happiness triggered at work in a positive right. way. Right. And so I think that people are coming back with that sort of like, I want something like more out of this, you know, like I want something more out of, of this. And, and the, there's something there about this whole focus on the 40 piece of being like, and it's all right there, you know, it's still there and it's not as complicated as you think, you know, like, and we have to be willing to lean into like, sometimes it's not going to feel, feel good to try to, to work through the challenges of your arch nemesis at work. Mm-hmm. But that's really powerful and painful to the human brain. And it, you carry that with you, you know, and any of the stuff that, you know, even when I'm working with groups, I'm like, hey, whatever it is that we talk about, that's like the rock in your shoe, the thing that's really bothering you. If you can work on that and it's not related to work, I don't care. I'm going to support you in that because you carry that with you at work. You know, and if you're having good days at work, you carry that home with you. If you're having bad days at work, you carry that home with oh, you. Oh, I heard that quite a bit. You know, you bring your work home with you and then, oh, yeah, then totally. you're fighting with your spouse about something and she's, you're blowing up at her about something. She's like, what are you mad about? Why are you so angry? <laughs> and then like, sure turns out you had a bad day at work for whatever reason. You kind of carry it too. I think even children carry that too if they have a bad day at school. 100%. You know, get a bad yeah. grade or the teacher tells them they didn't do things right or whatever and they come home and they have an attitude and you're like, what's your problem? I have no problem with attitude. Nothing. I'm fine. He's looking Chris. at me while we're having this conversation because this may or may not have been him this morning over coffee, just for the record. But we would I love was, for your help. Go ahead. I was just about to make a qualifying statement and say Anthony Poponi, founder of Focus on the 40, is not a marriage and family therapist <laughs> counselor and cannot provide Chris or Christine consultation on their relationship or their relationship with their children. Yeah. Well, but a bartender can, I think. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about so many of these things. Like, I, you know, my wealth manager says that 90% of her job is therapy you know real realtors 90 percent of their job therapy absolutely 90 percent of their job (laughs) therapy you know podcasters 90 percent of the job to seek free therapy (laughs) (laughs) i'm sending you an invoice at the end of this if we go deeper (laughs) that's so funny no it's it's very very on point what chris is mentioning because we were just discussing this morning about how when you're in an occupational environment where you're not feeling that high level of satisfaction or recognition for your work, how it definitely can impact your desire to give your best effort. And so we were just talking about like, what does it take to push through and things like that? Mm -hmm. But I could see like from a, um, like a more corporate perspective, because I do work in, um, I work in education, how so many of our teachers and so many of our administrators are facing some of these same challenges with feeling like a, a lack of, I don't even know what the word is, but like, am I even making a difference? Is what Mm -hmm. I'm doing even being seen? Is it making an impact? Am I dispensable? Mm -hmm. And I guess we're all wrestling with, how do you move people out of that space other than saying like, oh, I appreciate you so much because you can only give so many attaboys. You can only give so many you know, snack breaks that you sponsor and, you know, little pizza lunches, right. Pizza lunches and giveaways, because it's really, it's more, more than food fairs and free gifts for people. It's like helping them to really understand that, that they are important without having to give all of these attaboys. But I really think that the root of that comes down to 
happiness? Like, it's, is it an individual thing or is it the responsibility of the organization? Yes. <laughs> um, and that, it's a super complicated question. You know, um, I, I think stress and burnout are legit things. And what you were describing before is cynicism, you know, like, mm -hmm. am I really, am I really making a difference? Am I even doing a good job? You know, do I even care about the people around you? The, those are pretty good indicators of people being burned out. Um, and I appreciate that you're, in, that you're in education. I was a former, you know, teacher myself, and I do a lot of work here in my own community with the Boys and Girls Club. And it's it's super hard, right? So now, like, not only was teaching hard before, then we went through this crazy spell of virtual schooling and distance learning and all that, and kids were staying at home in in places where they're, you know, had really chaotic home environments. You know, not all the Boys and Girls Club kids, but a lot right. of them. And they carry that with them. So 100% they do. So I think it got harder. And now we're, you know, trying to like settle, you know, the dust, uh, letting the dust settle back into like the natural rhythm and patterns of, of schools, which were hard before. I mean, they were incredibly hard. Um, so I think it's an individual piece and it's also, um, you know, an organizational piece. And, to, you know, the individual piece means, and, and the way that I, um, I frame this and I'll provide you a, a link for um, show notes about like looking at your life and like, and, and our life, if we have, if we break it into domains called about eight different domains. I like to think of those as batteries. You know, mm -hmm. if you think about a device with eight batteries in it, if you have four batteries that are really high and four batteries that are completely depleted, the device will still work for a time. Mm -hmm. um, if you can figure out where those elements of your life are really high, you should make sure that you keep them there. You know, if your health and fitness is really good, awesome. If you have really good friends and family. Awesome. If you have a loving relationship, make sure you continue to invest time in keeping those things really high and honor those things because they can carry the low batteries. Right. Work on the low batteries, you know, and then, and, and that's hard, you know, sometimes low batteries are really challenging things that will take a big shift. Like if you're like, oh, you know what it is? Uh, I hate my workplace mm -hmm. or I hate my job and this is the wrong thing. And I, I did this career for a while. And it's the wrong thing. Oh, that's it's kind of hard to change, you know. Now you have a degree and certifications and specialties and all that stuff, and it's time for you to just kind of redo it. And I'm going to tell you, if that's what you got to do, then you got to do it. You don't have to do it overnight. You don't have to quit and walk away from your job because that's going to provide financial instability. But you got to start to figure out how to make those shifts to do something else that you're supposed to be doing. Now, the the whole workplace thing is yes, you know, pizza parties are great, all those sort of things, and the attaboys and awards and all that. It's a cultural piece, you know, and culture is like all these tiny little things that you can be doing that are, I think, more important than a pizza party. You know, pizza parties are important. Team buildings are really important. Um, but the leaders have to say, you know, like we have to lean in extra hard on this stuff, especially in certain times of the year when it's super chaotic for, you know, for uh, teachers and students beginning the school year, end of the school year, every school break, every single Friday, um, you know, that you have to really put um, a different type of approach in there. And it's real subtle sometimes what those things are. Hey, Anthony, have you heard of the uh, theory or they're talking, talking, maybe putting this in practice of shifting it to a three, a 40 work week? Here's something about that. Mm. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that for maybe mental stability and maybe happiness in the workplace? Yeah. I mean, and it really just depends on what you're going to choose to do with that extra day off. Right. If what you're going to do is, it, let's use the teaching scenario, right? We're moving to a four-day work week on teaching, which if you're a parent out there right now, you're panicking, right? You're like, wait, I need you to be there because I have a five-day-a-week uh, job. And what am I going to do with my kid on that fifth day? 
that's not what we're here to talk about right now. <laughs> um, but if we were to do that, then like, what are you doing on that off day? You know, are you doing things to charge your batteries? And when I say charge your batteries, that's unique to you. Like some people want to sit around and pet their cat and read books all day. <laughs> that That's not me recharging my batteries. You know, that I know what things make but me whiskers feel Whiskers misses you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic to cats, so it's easy for me to dig on cats. Um, you so much. <laughs> and but I think we have to use those days wisely, you know. And I think if we, um, it's this sort of like challenging yourself to say, "All right, the thing I know how to do that feels productive because it does feel good to be productive is to work really hard, right? And to have like this sort of martyrdom about work." And so if you're a teacher and you go from working five days a week to only working four days a week in the classroom and you're using your fifth day to grade papers and to do all that stuff, maybe that feels good. Maybe that's valuable. Or maybe you just need to figure out other things in your life that are going to add that, you know, fulfillment to you. But I think a lot of people, like especially in my line of work, because my company, we have a four day work schedule and all the other companies have a five and we have employees that come in and they're kind of like, mm -hmm. oh, wait, I'm losing pay now. Because I'm only working four days, they they see it like like I need to work five or six mm -hmm. because it's all about a money thing for a lot of people. I got to make more, yep. make more. In fact, I yep. threw the scenario out to a new new hire um, a while back. I said, um, if you had a choice of having, uh, what was it? It was the uh, the ultimate schedule, like the best days off, whatever, versus more pay. Mm -hmm. What would you rather take? You know, um, they take more pay. Even mm -hmm. if they had, had to work holidays, weekends, nights, whatever, they would have to do that to get the more pay. It could just right. be a Southern California thing because it's so expensive to live here, you know, that yeah, you have to right. work <laughs> yeah. six days a week to, to make ends meet. But saying in a perfect world, um, everybody would like to have maybe work three days or even four, four days. I mean, that'd be, mm -hmm. I'd be like ideal, I would, I would think. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it can be ideal. I, I, Again, I think it's hard to give like a blanket answer on what really works because it's really different for all industries, right? Like the hospitals can't go to a four-day work. We can be like, hey, we're just not going to do emergencies on Friday. Right. Um, <laughs> you got your own, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Here's some band. We'll just leave some a box yeah. of Band-Aids out front and some pain pills. This yep. first um, <laughs> Good luck. Um, yeah, I think it really depends. I mean, and I, this isn't an, an area of my expertise, so I'll just say one thing and just say, I, I don't know. I think it's worth exploring for workplaces, but I think they've seen that productivity can go up. And so, you know, that can be really valuable. And then if productivity can be linked with allowing people to have, you know, a better well-being and more work-life balance and more time for the other things that matter in their lives other than work, great. You know, I, I think we have this kind of, um, it, it, it's in our roots of in the United States to, to, to attach dignity to productivity mm -hmm. and to attach uh, philanthropy to uh, productivity even like well we only give money because we you know we are making money and this is kind of a tithing back of like almost like a guilty tax you right know, of playing to not profits and so i think if we can um have dignity about our work and then have dignity like and this is for us and this is for our leaders um, is to have dignity about our own lives away from work you know that we can find dignity in being an awesome parent or an awesome coach or an awesome board member or just an awesome human being that only is going to get about a hundred years on this planet if we're <laughs> lucky. And what are we going to do with that? You know, right. and, and to lean into the other parts. So something that you just said made me think about like the difference between what you do being like talking about happiness versus just general performance management. So one of the researchers or authors that I'm familiar with is mm -hmm. Daniel Pink and his work around mm -hmm. like what really motivates people in the workplace. Would okay. you say that your work is more focused on getting people to be more effective in their job or 
finding fulfillment in life? Because I think that's where our listeners might find the most connection is like, where is it that your focus is? Well, I'm not trying to not answer your question, but I think it's both. You okay. know, I mean, I, 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 th- I think at a global level, what I'm talking to people about is like living a fulfilling life, you know, and then if you start breaking that out into different chunks, work is a giant chunk of that for a lot of people. And what's really interesting is what we watched, what can happen with a lot of people when their their definition of self and their definition of their dignity and their definition of value and contribution to the world is attached to work. Mm. And then they retire. Oh, yeah. And you're like, well, now what the heck do I do with myself? You know, like, you know, and, and yeah, so it's now. Like, it's like your work is the, is a good, is themselves. Like yeah. It's their identity. It's yeah. A, yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. So, and I'm not saying I'm like, I don't think about retiring. I think about taking away some of the pain points related to my career and making it a little easier to continue to do these things over time in a way that's, um, satisfying and less, um, less of the negativity, you know, Mm -hmm. necessarily, you know, planes and stuff. Um, but I think it's everything. Now, when I go into a workplace, I'm not just going in and saying, I'm here to talk to you about happiness, you know? (laughs) Like, that's not what it's about. It's that framing that I said, hey, listen, like, I want you to understand what it looks like to be a happy human being. And yes, if something that you need to work on is at your home life, we talked about it, you're going to carry that with you at, at into work. And so if you can use tools to be happier at home, then your work still benefits, right? Your workplace still benefits and everybody around you benefits. If I'm going into a workplace, though, I'm primarily like, it's usually an introduction to happiness. And then I'm like, and there's hard parts. And we talked about like leadership, like how do you become a better leader? What does that look like? How do you identify what you're good at as a leader? What are the, what are your blind spots as a leader? Um, what are some of the patterns that you've built up that are patterns of self-sabotage that, mm. you know, can look like good patterns that can make you productive, but keeps you from being happy at work, you know? And then what's it look like to to build trust in a workplace because it, it, if you can build up trust in a workplace, people don't hold back as much. Um, and we love, like it feels so good when you're in a trusted situation, right? Trusted right. relationship where you can be vulnerable. And we have like given work in some cases, like this exemption of being like, no, that's not how you're supposed to feel about work. Oh, well, yeah. what, well, like, what if you could, you know, what if you could be really honest with people about something you're really struggling with, whatever it is. Um, I think there's real power in that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you were talking about patterns of self-sabotage, and I was just self-reflecting on that. Because I think at some point we have to reflect on what is our responsibility versus what's the organization's responsibility. So I do work in a leadership role, and I was just thinking about that. Like when I'm dissatisfied, is it from circumstances that are of my own creation and I pretend that I'm the victim of? Or is it really something organizationally that needs to be addressed? Because if it's something that I'm kind of exacerbating in my own head and it's like, okay, girlfriend, like <laughs> handle <laughs> business and don't make it somebody else's problem. And, you know, there's a saying uh, in therapy or in like personal development spaces, it's like, take care of your own side of the street first. Mm, and yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. I, like if I'm not tending to my own happiness and my own effectiveness, I how can I expect anybody else to do that? I can't put my happiness and satisfaction on anybody else to fix if I'm not doing everything myself to be the absolute best version of myself. And so, yeah, I really, what you've said is really sat with me a lot today. And I'm thinking like, goodness, I can apply that to my own personal life and my professional life. So appreciate that. Uh, you're welcome. I think if Chris has access to the applause soundtrack, you deserve it for that one. There <laughs> uh, so well, we go. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, go ahead. Ed. Yeah, just to to piggyback on that. I mean, I think that's really valuable, right? Like ha- having that conversation here in a space where you know other people are going to be listening to it is great, right? That's some really good self awareness. And then you know, I think the really hard part is to like honor those um, those blind spots we have that we we can't see that we need other people to help us point those things out and let's call it other resources to help us point those out. Those can be an assessment that tells you your personality style, an assessment that tells you your leadership style, assessment that tells you your self-sabotage patterns. Right. So that you can put language around those and even other people can put language around those things. Um, and you can start understanding those things. And and then the hard part that you've kind of talked about is, you know, if you're doing your own work and other people aren't doing their work, you got to figure out what to do about that. Right, because that can really detract from a team of like, you know, it could be 100 people. And if only 3% of those 100 people, that's 3% or three people, they can derail the the productivity and the performance of a whole group of people. Absolutely. So, it's toxic. Do you think kind of like negativity, negative attitude is contagious within the workforce? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like that whole concept of one bad apple ruins the whole bunch, right? You yeah. have something that festers, it yeah. rots what's around it. Yep. Very good. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. And I would say that the other way to, it, it goes the other way too, right? Like a positive, um, positive mindset can be infectious as well. Um, I think we're def- our default is negativity. And so our default is to look for problems and patterns and, and to externalize blame in a way, because I think externalizing blame is the way to protect you from feeling like you're the cause of, of these bad things. Yeah, it's Absolutely. not my fault. It's never my fault. You know, it's Joe's <laughs> fault. Joe over there. See, Joe, he's not doing nothing. Come on. The scene and I talked before the show. We've got some things to talk about with you, Chris, later. We'll do it off air. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, so talking about this, like work, working on yourself, do you have mm-hmm. resources that you provide to individuals? And if so, how can they access that? Yeah, I'm happy to uh, provide those resources. Um, one of the things that I really love is a workbook I put together. It's called Head to Toe Happiness. And um, it it really focuses on a lot of things. It has information in there on like leadership styles and all that. But it's, you know, the reason it's called head to toe is we talk about your head. We talk about like literally what's going on up in your brain and like the, the, the power of neuroplasticity that you can reshape your life and reshape your thought patterns, reshape how you feel that triggers different emotions and all that, that that's available to us. That's part of the 40%, you know. Um, and then it, you know, moves down to heart and compassion and kindness There's real power and com- and kindness and gratitude for your existing life. Um, and then if you go all the way down to your toes, it's like where you plant your feet, you know, where's your community and your community can be at work. It can be in your household. It can be in, you know, the, the space you live and how to look for, you know, how to craft more happiness in those places. So I'm happy to provide a link to that. It's called head to toe happiness. You can find it on my website under the tab. It's called resources. And what is that website for our listeners? Well, I'm a narcissist, so it's anthonypaponi.com. That makes it super easy for you for you to remember, especially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, or focus on the 40 will get you there as well. That oh, sounds nice. like it could be a really valuable resource to our listeners, especially as we're looking at heading towards the holidays. We get towards this season of people making New Year's resolutions and you know, that when we were researching last year for the New Year's resol- or the New Year's episode, we like to focus a little bit on like what are those resolutions that people make, and they tend to be about health, happiness, mm-hmm. finding fulfillment, mm-hmm. uh, taking time for self, and job related in some mm-hmm. way, like goals. And so it sounds like the work that you're doing is really at the root of so much of that work. If we can just get really honest with ourselves and figure out where we're at and where we want to grow in terms of our own 
satisfaction with our life that it could really check the boxes on so many of those different domains. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, it's this whole thing about examining your life. And, and, and I don't want people to think that they have to look at their life and be like, oh, I'm just a terrible person. And that's not what this is about. Right. This is about saying like, I have a good life. I would like to have a slightly better life than what I have now. And what can I do about that? And, and to be honest about the patterns that get you there and the patterns that don't. And when you're making these shifts in, in who you are and how you behave and even like going back and fixing historic issues and mistakes you've made and all that stuff, it's not going to feel good necessarily. And that's okay. Like you should lean into the fact that like it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be stressful and I'm not going to like how it's going to feel doing it. But in retrospect, you're going to love that you did those things because that's where growth is. That's such words of wisdom, Anthony. Do you have any last words for our listeners as we're, uh, again, heading into this holiday season where people are doing a lot of self-reflection? Yeah, sure. I mean, <clears throat> one of the things I would say is just a very simple tool. And I think that that's kind of the foundation for a lot of the work I do is that it's not like, it doesn't all have to be hard stuff. You know, like mental fitness activities are very quick and easy. They're mindfulness-based, right? They don't have to, you know, if, if you want to be super happy in life, you can meditate for two hours a day. Uh, most people don't have that kind of time available, but you could do it in a lot shorter period of time. Uh, one of the things that I do every day that I think is a great tool over the holidays, and it's a really good reframe about like this, the season of like what we would call the holiday, the season of more. How can we give more gifts and get more stuff and do more things and go, go, go? That gratitude is really valuable to us. And so every day with my phone, um, I'm picking up my phone right now and I have a little timer that goes off, a little reminder that goes off at 1234 every day. So it's 1234 PM and at that time, and it doesn't happen every day and you don't have to do it every day for this to be effective. But I say five things I'm grateful for, you know, I'm grateful to get to get interviewed on a podcast. It's fun to share my wisdom with the world because I can impact people. Uh, this was really fun. I got to laugh on the show. I'm getting to go to San Diego next week. I had a really there fun time yeah. with friends, you know, and I like fish tacos and I'm going to eat some. You know, there's, <laughs> I can't argue with that. You know, and so there's there's five things that I just rewired my brain to be grateful for what I have versus only willing to be happy when I get the next thing, right? And our brains are wired, wired that way. So you can short circuit that kind of old historic wiring by just being grateful right now for little things that you already have. I really love that. That gratitude practice is something that I think I'm going to work on incorporating into my routine um, especially in this season of more. I've never thought about it like that. And so, you know, we just want to thank you, Anthony, for being on our show today and sharing some of your happiness and wisdom and dad jokes with us. <laughs> and uh, Chris, any last words from you? No, I was going to say thanks, Anthony. Thanks for stopping by today. We'll see you in a few days. Yeah, it was a great <laughs> conversation. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. If you love music and podcasting, now you can have both. Introducing the brand new K2 radio station, Available 24-7 on the Live 365 app for free. Specializing in rock and alternative music. We're talking bands like Coldplay, Nirvana, Muse, Imagine Dragons, and yes, even the Rolling Stones. They have all stopped by to drop off songs, and we even have brand new popular tracks added every single day. Also on the free K2 radio station, we are including podcasting. Get the best of both worlds. Download the free Live 365 app or listen online at live365.com and type in K2 Radio. You know, it's so fantastic having Anthony on the show today. We haven't had a guest on in a while. Yeah, and I really liked what he was talking about as it related to like happiness and just 
I've, I really have been reflecting on his words and I feel like they're super powerful. Oh, definitely. For sure. Yeah. And so have you taken any way, taken away like any words of wisdom, anything that's going to help you not be Scrooge McDuck all the time? Hey, you know what? Of course, you know, and I'm working, I'm definitely working on being happy. Like I said, podcasting here makes me happy. Having hobbies. I think if you have a hobby really outside of work, I know a lot of people at work, they get really sucked into just doing work stuff and work, work, work. And even the real, I mean, sometimes people will come into work on their day off just to hang out right. because that's all they know. And that's all they have. That's their circle. It's kind of sad if you think about it like that. That used to be me. Oh, was it? I knew a lot of people. I knew, I knew people do that. They, they, because that's all they have, you know? Yeah. So they'll come in. I mean, I was working, um, I used to work, I worked a lot of jobs, by the way. One of the jobs I had, I was working at the 99 cent store, the dollar store. Mm-hmm. And I'll be stocking the shelves, you know? And then, um, you know, we worked, you know, it was open seven days a week. So we're open every day there and I was working, doing my stocking and I saw another um, employee that was working there. He was there on his day off and hanging out and talking and hanging out. I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, it's your day off. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll just come here and hang out sometimes, you know, and this and that. I'm like, what? Don't you work here? Like, I, I, I just, at my time, I just it blew my mind. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't get it. You know, I just didn't understand. Like, if you're shopping, it's one thing, but just to hang out and talk to people, that's kind of weird, but Maybe that's because that's all their little circle is, Maybe. is work, which um, it's kind of sad. Which isn't like work-life balance very much. And so oh, I think that's not. really no. important that you have things in your life that you can look forward to, you know, whether it be fish tacos or travel or podcasting or wedding planning and florals, you know, all of those things make up for a really good life. And so, you know, Anthony had some really great points. And speaking of which, we need to send him over the names of some of those fabulous fish taco places. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We'll uh, have to send him an email all about that stuff. Yeah. So, Chris, where can listeners find out more about us if they listen to this episode and they were hooked and they're like, I want more of Chris and Christine? More of the Chris and Christine. You can go to our Master Hub website, which is chrisandchristineshow.com. And guess what? doesn't matter how you spell it because I figured all that out. (laughs) And if you liked what you listened to, you can definitely leave us a review on Apple. Um, Definitely hit that subscribe button and share on social media and with all of your friends and family. And we will be back with you next Next week. week.